Thank you. <laughs> I realized um, this is this is more of a snapping situation. You don't want to like go crazy, you know. <laughs> it's like coffee house vibes. For sure. There's an entire audience like on the other half of the bus, just 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 watching, just and screaming, just screaming. <laughs> the soundproof wall in the way they can't. <laughs> They wish they could be on it, but they they can't, unfortunately. That's okay, though. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about, um, I was thinking about maybe one day doing video on these as well. But you know how, I mean, we've all got a a different method to how we do it. I think I'm going to end up being like, just the guest will be the one. And I'll be just like the guy behind the curtain and nobody will know what I look like kind of thing, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Just with an anonymous mask on. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, just like weird, like not even just naked on the other side. <laughs> well, guys, welcome back. This is the cream-based bus sessions. Uh, cream is for, as most people know, uh, cash rules everything around me. But in this case, it's creative art and music. Uh, we've got Josh Vanderveen as our guest today. Uh, he is a recording artist here in the Asheville, North Carolina area, and I'm very glad to have him on, good friend of mine. Uh, We used to work at a guitar center together, and that's how we met, and, um, you know, he's helped a little bit on the build. Actually, I don't know if we actually worked on the the bus that day. We might have just, like, pedaled around, but it was nice to have you here. It's good. um, It's nice when you're, like, losing your mind in the dead of summer like sweating a lot just to like have friends around so i appreciate it anyways and, and friends at guitar center where it's you know rotting your musical soul away so yeah totally <laughs> no i i feel i feel for the new manager there because you know the previous manager was with guitar center for like 17 years or something you know and you could see how it had kind of rotted rotted away at him <laughs> like he didn't play at all anymore but he yeah, the other guy, you know, he, he seems to still like post on Facebook about his new amps and he's excited to keep playing. And I love to see that because it's hard when you're like listening to riffs all day. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and you're talking about the material of music and not the substance. of Tone wood, bro. It's about <laughs> the tone wood. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> totally the material. And I, I'm learning I'm learning now with um, working with such a small space to have only the gear that's important to me around and really kind of working with what I've got, you know. Um, I think with a lot of times we fill our spaces and our time with new gear because it's exciting and it keeps us creative, which, like, more power to you if you pick up that new gear and it takes you your to a whole new album that you n- didn't know existed inside your head, then all power to you. Um, but I think a lot of times we find ourselves distracted in in the in the the tone that we're getting, or like what kind of reverb was it? Analog was it tape? Like I, uh, to a lot of people that aren't playing music all the time, who just enjoy music, they have no idea. Absolutely they not. don't know yeah. if you're going <laughs> direct in or even what that means. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. What matters is like you're getting it out on the books. You're making creative music that some might say that they relate to or push them to be a workout fiend or whatever, you know, inspire them to do something. And we think a lot of times when we make new music is like, what's the person on the other end going to be doing when they, when they hear this, are they going to be at a coffee shop? Are they going to be dancing and grooving? Are they going to want to take LSD and rave? Like what exactly are they going to be doing to listen to this music? And unless they have like the same issue of like, well, do I use 
you know, this microphone, do I really have to spend, you know, $2,000 for like an RE20 tape echo from the 1970s? I mean, that sounds really great. (laughs) Unless they have that same thought process and honestly, like, cognitive issue in the way of their own creativity, (laughs) they're not going to think about that. They don't care to listen to that. My partner, like, doesn't (laughs) really, I like get excited about gear often because, you know, when you have a recording studio, it's, you got to have gear to have a recording studio. So it's hard to not get excited about those things. Totally. Um, I'm learning to like love microphones now. I'm like very excited now that I'm doing these podcasts. I'm like ready to get an SM7B. Like that's what it means to be a professional in this industry now. Right. (laughs) It's the tools that people really, they don't care about that. They care about, you know, the music, what comes through the tools rather than. Right. And the bass. Yeah. I like like, talking at a concert with my partner about like, Oh, they have this pedal on their pedal board. She's like, I don't, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I catch cool myself. That you, you see that, but <laughs> <laughs> I catch myself a lot of times also like seeing what pedals are on the board. Like more than anything, like amps, whatever. I want to know what's on the board. Right. Like staring at it like it's my new Bible. Okay, that's how I get in that tone. <laughs> yeah, it's all just it's all paints, paints in the paint box. But if totally, yeah, if you're just looking at your paints and not putting paints on the canvas, then. I think that's exactly where I'm at right now. It's like I I have all the paints to make awesome music, um, but I have to let it out of me. I have to like free myself of this cage where like it matters what I put on that paper, you know. And I I I, I think I still struggle with that a lot, but I'm I'm learning to get over it. I'm starting to beat on the drums a little bit more and not worry about making sound or what people are gonna think. It's just like. What do I think and what do I want to put on this on this track? So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, my first question to you today was a, a pretty broad one, um, but like what inspired you to pick up an instrument in the first place? Kind of like at what point in your life did you pick up music and like start playing and what was it? Yeah, so uh, I guess, I mean, I started fairly young. I mean, not super young, um, but I guess, you know, 11 years old, I started with um, like piano, uh, and I was in my uh, church choir. So piano and voice is kind of what I started out with. And I always sort of had like a, a musical proclivity, um, like as a kid, like I have a distinct memory of this, uh, like Fisher Price, like tape recorder thing that had like, you put a cassette tape in it, it had like a m- microphone attached to it. You're talking about the one on Toys, to- Toy Story? I'm pretty sure it's the same one on Toy Story. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. This isn't like a weird. Like I had. There's actually. Oh my yeah, God. I don't know. If it's the exact same one, but I. Yeah, it was like it had like the handle and everything. I remember singing like Lion King into this and like recording like, you know, like the like the intro to Lion King, <laughs> like just singing singing over it with this tape recorder. Um, and I'm yeah, I'm pretty sure it's not like a psychological thing that I'm just ripping. Would out you consider story. that your first <laughs> instrument? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if my my first instrument. I, I mean, I think voice is voice. is my instrument, and mm-hmm. I, I think it's everybody's you know, instrument. Really, I, whether you, think I had no idea. Not. Like when we met, we you know we'd pick up guitar together or whatever at the shop. But the first time that I came to your studio and we sat down and listened to one of your tracks, I was really flabbergasted. I was blown away. I was like, oh, okay, that that's his tool for sure. Like the rest of this helps that one make the full impact but like the voice is an awesome one for you yeah, yeah i appreciate it for sure thank you yeah. but you said you l- you learned keys you were in the choir at church i think that's a that's a big one for a lot of people getting into music is 
Um, one, having an outlet of people around you who want to hear you play, who are inspiring you to play, or just like letting you I- unleash that creativity. And uh, church is a big one for a lot of people. I think that even becoming gigging musicians or touring musicians, a lot of people start off and um, are really comfortable to play in that church setting, in that in that space. I think it really does um, give a really safe place for for a lot of people to start thinking about that inspiration inside of them and like what that means yeah for sure and it it gives you you know a sense of of community too i mean i'm not i'm not uh religious anymore um i sort of kind of came out of that um you know going into college and you know sort of my own journey with things um but you know the biggest thing for you know being in, in choir was not so much the music side of it um, was you just sort of the community aspect of it. And, you know, you know, the community really sort of brought out kind of the music in it too. So if I think that's, you know, especially in, in, in like a digital age where we become like very isolated and, you know, we have, you know, our own recording studios that like exist on our phone or on our laptop, you know, it can be very easy. And I've done it, been guilty of it too, but of just like hunkering down and, you know, not collaborating and not like sharing that language of using it, just being our own sort of thing, which is that not, is a, that's a very hard one for me. Yeah. I think that I get, I get locked into this feeling of like, well, if I can't find a drummer to make this track then I'm going to have to make it. And I, it, it's almost a negative connotation that I'm putting it in too, yeah, because right. now I feel alone. I've put myself mm-hmm. in this box where I feel like I'm not going to find this guy who's going to want to come track drums with me or whatever, you know? And like, um, I mean, it it pushes me to be more creative, but I think it's coming from the wrong perspective. I think that it, I need to look at it more positively about the learning process in general of what I want to be is like um, a session musician. And what I have to do to do that is to learn all of these instruments. If somebody needs you to pick up and uh, do this drum pattern, you should be able to do it, you know, or bass or whatever. And uh, this next Sunday will be the first time I'll be recording um, a band on the bus like full record some tracks with them and i'm really excited kind of nerve-wracked but they don't have a bass player and i i think i could do that for them and i feel pretty confident that like if they give me a progression or give me you know a melody or whatever they got i could probably come up with some bass tracks for it and i think that that was like a really key moment for me and feeling confident in what i do is like being like okay i do have the tools now i'm finally starting to put them to the use that i was always supposed to be, (laughs) you know, they weren't supposed to just sit around and not collect dust. And cause I'm very like, I don't know. I clean everything all the time. Like my drum set, I don't even put it in the case until I've like cleaned it. Like I'm in band. So, (laughs) (laughs) but I get caught in these things that don't even matter. And the music isn't (laughs) even happening. So that's a good Um, practice though. Cleaning your, cleaning your equipment is is mm -hmm. a big thing. I think we don't talk enough about um, the maintenance uh, of having a lot of gear. Like people talk all the time. True. Oh, I've got like 15 guitars. Okay, when do you tune them? <laughs> when do you get around to doing 15 sets of strings? Like, when do you set them up? Like right. <laughs> <laughs> They're not. They're literally not. <laughs> right. I yeah. I have collected quite a bit of gear. I, I'm. What would you say is your most like prized possession? Like you wouldn't go into your studio if you didn't have that piece of gear. Like, um, something that maybe you use all the time. I'm. It's it's yeah. I, I mean, everything has like 
there's like two sides of the coin almost for, s- for a lot of this stuff because there's okay. like utility and then this like sure. sort of like inspirational aesthetic like vibe i mean having know? having a road in in your studio is like yeah, a big one right 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 <laughs> but i don't play it all the time i honestly i've sure. played my like nord keyboard more than the roads just because the it's nord the is has more utility it's than the, the roads but you know like <laughs> just the roads sitting in the corner <laughs> being able to be played and like loud and just you know the actual like tines you know vibrating against a, a magnet or you know a magnetic coil it's beautiful it's such a inspiring like concept that exists um, but yeah, so I mean, honestly, I'd probably say, um, probably my Nord just cause I mean, mm-hmm. just the piano in general. is Right. Like and it's, it's a utilitarian piece as well. And yeah, I think that it, it's something that a lot of people, um, they kind of strive to get, like if it was going to be like their forever keyboard, that'd probably be the one for sure. I yeah, think. absolutely. I've, I mean, I got it on an amazing sale. I would not have it, you know, <laughs> <laughs> By any means of my current success in music or my current financial success in the world at all. Financial <laughs> success? The <Not> what? <laughs> in the world? No, no, none of that. Um, no, we build school buses and travel around instead. Exactly. <laughs> and we buy lots of things off the Facebook market because it was from the 1950s and you know, it was used to record audio. Um, one thing I'm really excited about, and this kind of goes back to what you're talking about, maintenance. And I'm mm. like just like dreading the day that it breaks down. But I have this um, this Ampex tape recorder that was like actually like brought on to movie sets, and someone just you know threw it up on the Facebook Marketplace for super cheap, and I was like, I was like, what is that? And I like did a little bit of googling. I was like, oh my god, I gotta get this. <laughs> That's mine. I'm getting it right now. <laughs> but yeah, like the more thing, and I use it as like a bass pre, and it has this mm. really thumpy like low Motown sound. That's okay. Just a lot of fun. So is this like a a preamp or what is it? Yeah, exactly? okay, yeah. So it's it's a single channel preamp and mm-hmm. then it's like a a tape deck. So it was top. probably originally meant for vocals maybe. Well, it was meant set? to like take on to like movie sets, like you you know, on location sound basically. So they would, you know, plug a microphone into that. You have like this tube preamp that goes and does like a mono track. By the way, uh who I- for those wondering what's whistling and, and <laughs> it's also raining right now we've got a lot of background noise but we've gated a little <laughs> bit of it but oh yeah, um, that's my dog Rue, and, and she's she's sweet but she's bothered by cats right now it was all good <laughs> it was all good and then and then it wasn't anymore <laughs> <laughs> she's a good girl though we're, we're glad to have her here Absolutely. we'll have some questions <laughs> for her as well <laughs> um so Another question I have is, um, how did you go from playing music? And I, I guess you kind of answered this question already, but like to wanting to record music as well. And like you even said, like you had this Fisher Price toy as a kid, and like that was a key moment where you had already started recording yourself at like such a young age. But like, I'm sure that that didn't like catch on. You're like, I'm recording now, you right, know. Yeah. <laughs> So when did that when did that become more of a priority for you to start really tracking it down? Yeah, so I guess I mean I'll, I'll fill in you know quite a few gaps because I've really I've been recording for um, probably five years now, um, you know, and then that you know singing choir was um, like fifteen years ago. So that kind of decade gap um, is basically I w- uh, got involved in theater at my school, got involved in musical theater. Um, and then 
like had like a brief stint where I was like, I'm going to be an opera singer <laughs> and then went back nice. to like musical theater uh, and then went through that uh, up till college. Um, and then through college, I kind of was like, I kind of want to sit back and not really do this performing thing so much. Mm. You know, I want to sort of be on the other side of the table where I'm like either cor- directing or, um, you know, writing. Mm-hmm. Um, so at that point, I really started to, you know, kind of get back into like my like piano chops um and like writing songs and uh i had a bootleg copy of of uh logic pro at the time um so that that like kind of inspired that whole like okay i'm not gonna do my performing homework right now i'm gonna go and just mess around on logic pro right now and (laughs) make a track here (laughs) so yeah there's that whole tick of time or that whole period of time where i was sort of procrastinating from that performing side to um i don't know develop i guess more of the artist side which i still feel like sure like what your sound was so to speak yeah and like even like kind of the intention you know like okay the one of the biggest things that um biggest hurdles as far as being a music artist has been like writing songs so music has always been fairly you know straightforward to me you know okay you have your chords you can combine them have different progressions and it provides different moods of course but like putting words behind that was so intimidating to me, and that was you know the part where I really had to figure out like okay, what do I actually want to say? Like what's you know <laughs> that sort of vulnerability of like when you put words on page, and and you're really you know you I mean I have a lot of like perfectionist like tendencies, and so you know seeing words on on the page and like wanting to sing because I'm you know was first and foremost a singer. Um, trying to figure out you know what words to say to sing right <laughs> uh so at that point you know i had to kind of step back and figure out okay what is, what is this artist thing who who am i what do i i i really resonate with that i think that the hardest part for me because it my my sequence is drums find a pattern hit it with a bass groove fill it in and then come over top with guitar. And the last thing that I'm thinking about always is lyrics. I think that um, I'm kind of starting to develop this like funk kind of style that I enjoy playing. Um, but when it comes to lyrics for me, I almost I, I don't want to commit. I don't want people to hear a, a feeling that I had and be like, this is the type of music that this person makes, you know, because what if I want to switch it up? Then you have to be there for the long run, because what if I come out with a rap album? Now we're all screwed, you know. <laughs> 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 so I, I, I don't know. I, I find this um, this ba- internal battle that if I start creating some kind of sad, sad music, then what happens when I create a happy album? Am I going to like lose people that might actually want to listen because now i'm like not in this goth thing anymore or like being like emotional or close to my emotions i should say i guess um so i have like one song where i actually put some vocals on it and it wasn't like i guess i again i wasn't trying to commit so it it wasn't it was silly i was like uh you know get on up and move that thing get yeah. on up then move that thing and it was like kind of silly and fun and i think that that i i mask a, a lot of fear in my life with humor always and so that's kind of like coming into my music too it's like well what if i just make something silly just to get it out you know and i think that that's a 
that's a good thing. You Absolutely. know, you have yeah. to get it out, you know, right. and that's how you start. And even like just doing the podcast thing, being on a microphone talking um, is a huge step for me and my professional world, but as well as just getting out the creativity of being vulnerable and being comfortable enough to speak into a microphone and and hear my voice back, you know, and say, um, this is my voice, you know, not being worried if I'm hitting the right notes or whatever, like it can be. And I think we started this conversation with you were like, I think everyone's t- first tool should be, you know, their voice. And I think that um, it's a it's a big moment for a lot of people is being heard a lot of people don't want to take up too much space in their day-to-day lives even they're they're quiet at work or you know whatever they don't if they're out at a gathering they may only say a few things they're kind of just like watching on and for musicians this is the spotlight when you put a microphone in front of your voice and you say your words that are meaningful to you it's one of the biggest moments in a lot of people's lives i think because like really solidifying their comfortability with themselves. Yeah, absolutely. It's a sort of like emotional and intellectual, you know, confidence and freedom to to just throw that out there. You know, and and even if it's like not nothing, you know, super emotional or mm-hmm. super intellectual that you're you're mm-hmm. putting out there. It's like, you know, having the the confidence just to use your voice is takes takes guts, honestly. Absolutely. France is doing it right now all at once. They're all using their voice been rioting for like months now <laughs> i'd be so tired <laughs> i haven't heard any of this really no <laughs> <laughs> essentially um it's a few different things but one of the things was like the um living um or the retirement age went up a couple of years or something in france and like the whole country is like completely losing it over it like and th- as they should like we don't stand up yeah. enough in this country because we consider our- ourselves free and we're I'm very lucky to not be, like, war-driven, so to speak. Like, we don't have bombs going off in our front yard, so to speak. And we're free to be satiated by our consumerist economy. (laughs) Totally. Right there. And so I think that it's really cool to to see anyone in a mass um, kind of, like, take charge and say, like, you're the government because we let you be the government. So, like, figure it out because... We're going to have to if you don't, you know, that was really, it's really cool to see, um, but kind of off topic, but good to know what kind of what's going on in the world. Sometimes I was in the desert for about a month um, and then I didn't really have service until we were leaving Arizona. I think this was like a month and a half. I did like not have service anywhere we were. So I was so disconnected and it brought me closer to myself which was really awesome i started journaling more and um, getting closer to the gear and how to set it up quickly and what i was inspired to do with the gear available and um, it was really nice to not be distracted by like whoever and whatever was going on any kind of drama or whatever Um, but now i'm back in the, the real world i guess right now I figuring I out certain <laughs> things. <laughs> I just go through periods of like deleting Instagram and and Facebook. Um, Felt cute, my delete. <laughs> <laughs> it's just well, I, it's uh, I mean, it's like a, a mindfulness that I've like been aware of of like like cl- okay, I'm on Instagram, close the app. Okay, then like I put my phone down, I pick it back up like within 15 seconds. Without like thinking or like any intentionality, I'm like opening Instagram again. I'm like, I 
I, I just closed this. <laughs> I just did this. And so, yeah, that, that's the moment I'll delete the app. And then someone will be like, hey, did you see? And I'm like, fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. The, the, vicious, the vicious circle of social media. And now we, we're, like, we're trying to create a brand now ourselves. And so, like, with Cream Based Bus, we kind of found a niche. We know we've invested in ourselves with time and money to create this, essentially, our ship to travel the continent in, which feels really awesome. But in a way, it's getting us closer to the social media thing. And right. so the last couple of weeks, we've been really putting everything down. And it feels really good to do that. But... um. I'm ready to get back into it again. I I think that like we're missing out on our chance to keep growing this because it is growing um, with everything that we're doing. Danielle is getting back into her art. I'm getting into the podcasting um, and we're getting more comfortable with this small tiny house living thing that we're doing. Um, but we want to show it off too. We've worked really hard on this. And so the, the TikTok, the, Instagram, um, the YouTube, they all facilitate a different part of what we're doing. So like the TikTok is more like fun, I guess, so to speak. It's like quick, kind of edgy, like this is what we got going on. Um, we might like answer questions if people want to know about the build or um, we don't really dig too deep, so to speak, on that one. Um, and then the Instagram is really more of like a couple's thing. So it's more cutesy. It's our photography stuff that we've um, acquired throughout, you know, being on the road. And um, the YouTube is where we're really falling in love with, with the social media thing, like really digging in deep. We're using our best gear and our best um, knowledge of how to use that gear to get really great results cinematically. Um, if you haven't checked out the YouTube, you guys, oh, I have to, yeah. okay. cream based bus. <laughs> Um, but we have a ton of fun making those because it really shows the professional side of what we do. It um, it allows us a, a space to really get it out as like a movie setting. Um, and for the people, of course, because it's entertainment and hopefully something that we can monetize. Uh, you only need a thousand subscribers on YouTube to monetize. It's not much. Um, brand partnerships are you know, how you'll make the most money on YouTube. But with that being said... Um, we're having a ton of fun with the YouTube, um, creating these l like short little movies of like Arizona or Texas or wherever w it is that we are. And, um, in the end, it's really just going to be a video documentary of, of our lives for ourselves when we're older and we want to show our kids like what we did with our time, you know, and our grandkids hopefully will, you know. God, MP6 will be uh, out by then, you know. <laughs> I don't even know. They're, like, grabbing all the senses at that point. <laughs> oh, but I, I'm excited to, to get back into it because we're, we're right now at about 350 subscribers on YouTube, and we've only been doing it for about two months. And so I think by the six-month mark, we'll already be surpassed the 1,000-point mark. And I'm so stoked because I've seen people, and this is very um, – um, it's confident in ourselves. We're doing something really awesome that I've seen a lot of people do on YouTube for years and still not quite figure it out. Um, and we've already got a good grasp on it. We already know what, what the people want to see. 
what's going to keep them watching. We're not giving them too much, but we're giving them just the amount that we want. Um, and I, I think we've got a really good grasp on it and I'm excited to see that really like push forward in the next year, um, of like what it means to be a nomadic musician recording on the road, what it means to be an artist traveling on the road. Um, and learning to how to monetize ourselves, you know, I think that like, sure, money is not everything, but in a lot of ways it, it allows you to respect yourself when you're like, okay, well I did this hard work and in return I got something, you know, the exchange itself is like very rewarding for a lot of people. Um, I think this is a good, uh, good point to where if you want to play a couple more songs, can you? Do you want to tell us what the first song was called? Yeah, so that song is called... <laughs> that was Rue. That was Rue she's playing uh, the guitar. She's Rue playing the guitar. guitar. Gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> she's, yeah, she's the guitarist. I just sing here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't picked up the guitar at all. Uh, but that first song is called Birdhouse. Um, it has not yet been uh, recorded. So um, technically, this is the first time it's been recorded right there. There yeah, you go. Yes, the first time it's been <laughs> recorded in public. I, I, what my like production process is on this is like I'll do drafts and then throw those drafts away and then take months off and then mm. <laughs> forget everything I did in that draft and mm. do another draft. <laughs> so the song has been recorded a few times. Uh, but <laughs> congrats on being the, the first people to hear it. <laughs> um, this next song. This is a fun sort of uh, edgy song about anxiety. Oh, wait, I gotta hold on. Let me get a, a crunchier tone for this. I hear the feedback. Audible now. It's noise. Be crunchy. Okay. <laughs> 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 All right. This song is called Awk, A W K. Explain. 
This is a song I wrote uh, last New Year's, uh, and it's kind of got that vibe to it. New Year's resolutions and all. Okay.
appreciate you sharing that one. Yeah. That was good. I like the um the second song that you did there. It was um very relatable and like kind of fun, you know. I like that a lot. Yeah, that song's I mean even though everyone has you know, the 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 kind of trope about New Year's resolutions, right, where it's 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 most likely not gonna turn out that way. So that was that was a song about, you know, change and how how hard it is to to make change in your life and how often it never it doesn't happen when you put too much pressure on yourself to change i'm i'm trying to uh learn that myself like not um not putting too much pressure on the process because i think that that's what's kind of ends up holding me back because i i end up feeling um displaced instead of feeling like confident just where i'm at because if i'm always striving for the future you're not thinking about what's happening right now right and sometimes you just gotta let it happen. And you have this dissonance between, you know, the the future, you know, the the thing. If you put too much pressure on yourself, or you, this future ideal becomes, you know, m- more closely tied to your identity than right. It's the only option. At that yeah, point. right. Than who you are at that moment, and that's that's just a cognitive dissonance that you're that you have to get over to absolutely to move forward. Absolutely. And you have to it, forgiveness is, I think, the first step. Yeah, acceptance, acceptance, forgiveness, very important together. Um, going forward, I wanted to talk a little bit more about um, proof of concept. I know we talked before the show about how you're kind of taking a step back about proof of concept and um, focusing more on you and your music, which is probably a very hard decision to make, one of those decisions that um, going forward is it's it's important to you, you know. Um, but one of the questions I had about proof of concept um, is being a one mo- man recording. Um, what are some of the things that um, help you not feel overwhelmed in the studio, um, whether you're tracking your own stuff um, and um, helping others record their own? Yeah, so... In this sense, I've as long as I've been doing it, it's been sort of like a one-man operation. Um, the you know f- learning all the tools, of course, there's just hunkering down. Um, and if you want to check out some songs that are out by m- by myself, uh, it's under the artist name Perfumery, uh, spelled like the place you make perfume, P-U-R-F-U-M-E-R-Y. Um, and where is that? On Spotify, Apple Music, all cool. the all the stuffs. Very cool. Um, but yeah, so that was sort of, I guess the, my first real deep, you know, go through where I recorded, tracked, um, wrote everything, mixed everything, and then did my best to, you know, master everything, right? Uh, and it's Without scrapping it and starting over completely. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Before the self-doubt started and when right, you know, right, you're right. always confident when, confident when you begin something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that that started as a one man thing, um, and that's kind of what taught me how you know every step of the process was just kind of googling everything along the way. Um, YouTube University, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the first studio I worked at uh, was called Mystic Dome Studio, uh, and it was uh, just this one guy. He uh, his name was John Thomas. He worked uh, 
in Miami and then moved to Asheville because everybody just comes to retire in Asheville from Florida. Um, and from New York. It's like the middle middle place. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like, oh, global warming's about to happen. Let's hi- head to higher ground. <laughs> Let's go to the tropical weather. <laughs> uh, so... So yeah, and then and there I basically was yeah just an engineer there, and he didn't really want to run sessions, uh, so I would be the one running sessions. I'd get everyone patched in and get Pro Tools opened, and uh, yeah, get everyone set up. And even you know, and it's interesting like as you become like a solo engineer, unless there's like you know someone coming in that is the producer for the song, you kind of default to being somewhat of a producer for the project. Um, so. Yeah, doing doing that whole thing was a one man show, um, and then as I started, you know, building up my own studio, I had like proof of concept, um, and that's basically out of my single car garage, um, which it has like a loft to it, so it's like it's not like a standard ten foot ceiling. There's like a ladder on the side, and then it goes up to this loft, and I have drums on the loft, and then below the loft I have mixing console and all my gear and my keyboards and then you know there's sort of space behind for like you know if someone were to set up a their own drum set which I have I've recorded you know a drum set in there actually turned out pretty well you know because there's high ceilings so the the space kind of allowed for that um I'm actually very surprised at how well the drums sound in here I mean you just add a little bit of reverb to it and it sounds wonderful in this small space in the back (laughs) I think the mattress in the back helps a lot with like catching a lot of extra sound so it can be a little bit more dry so that gives you more time to put effects and stuff on if you want later um it's interesting in this space alone with all the wood you get a lot of Mm mid-range and so that's something that i'm definitely struggling with in this small space yeah that's interesting with the wood yeah um but definitely having i mean you have you do kind of have like a lot of space because you it's a, it's a bus. <laughs> Buses are are not. I think there's probably more space in here may, than like you know a small like like regular bedroom, which people mm-hmm. are a lot of, a lot of you know recording drums out of. Um, mm-hmm. And you know as long as you kind of manage your like the boxiness of the how that sounds, mm-hmm. like I think probably the length of the bus probably helps you a lot with 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 bass frequencies right because it can extend all the way this way yeah i I had the drums set up um facing out at one point towards the rest of the bus from the back and um it was catching reverb off of the filing cabinet back there and it gave this like really washy (laughs) like metal room like you were in a warehouse gotta mic up that filing cabinet i did i did (laughs) and then i had one like live mic coming down the hallway so it was catching this like tunnel essentially yeah of this sound so it w- it's it literally sounded like you were in like an empty um warehouse somewhere it was very cool <laughs> yeah <laughs> not something you want all the time but it's something that you you learn in in your space is how your space works and what works well for you and you learn the little the little tidbits the little glitter that makes your your space yours and what what could this potentially be a reason why someone wants to use that space over another one is purely based on the live sound I- of the space so it's very interesting of like getting a grasp on, on your space but how long have you been um how long have you been building out that studio there um yeah so it's been a little over well actually no it's been about a year and a half now cool um and yeah i mean the f- first it yeah 
basically all gear has been on all levels in all like corners of the studio like i i find like every time i've moved into a new place it has to be set up like eight different times before there's like a, a point at which like okay this works so if you if you feel like something's not working in in your setup anybody's setup just just tear it down yeah tear it down start, start again like mm-hmm. You know, if you have the time, like it'll it will save you time later on when you don't have to unplug this thing all the time, so you can plug this thing all the time, and just flip flop back and forth. If if they, you know, the most that you can maximize everything as, as the simplicity mm-hmm. of that, the more creative you'll be in the space, mm-hmm. and the smoother you know recording sessions will go. Um, totally, I think that's a huge struggle with a lot of musicians, recording musicians that. Um, maybe have a space that they're using that isn't maybe set up the way that they intended. And now you're spending more time setting up than actually being creative. And that completely washes the experience away. And and it has for me a few times. And that's why I recently have just been leaving the drum set out. Like if we're not on the road for a long time or whatever, I'll just leave the drum set out. It doesn't hardly gets in the way. It's um, a five piece um, stage custom to 18 inch kick and so it doesn't take up a whole lot of space but it's so nice to have out because what if i get that moment where i'm like it's time to make music and now i've got to go through the the whole process of getting this bus ready to make music and now i've lost it so um, more recently i'm learning of like how can i keep this set up so it doesn't get in the way but it's also ready to go at any time you know um just full of ammo ready to go (laughs) right yeah yeah, and drums especially too, you know, because I used to have like set up drum mics every time uh, to do that whole thing. But honestly, if you if you're just making your own music and you're you're recording drums, you can do a lot with just one mic. Trust yourself that you can do a lot with one mic. Spend a day just like moving one mic around to find the best spot for that one mic, and then if you need more mics, add more mics. But don't don't put one mic up and then two mics and then try to figure that out. Start with just one. I I have this uh, suitcase drum kit, and it's actually been I my the loft that I have my drums on, the like actual drums on, um, is like a huge mess right now because I just haven't been up there to the actual drums. But I have this suitcase drum kit, which is essentially um, like a like a hard shell suitcase, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's like a, I have a kick beater that's just a tennis ball <laughs> at the end of a, a beater. Um, a little piccolo snare and like hi-hats and i've actually found like just one mic it's like a it's the aston spirit mic um sort of low right by the on the right side kind of by the the suitcase pointed at the hats and the snare it sounds great like the low end is there you can't really you can't tell that it's a suitcase at all (laughs) and i just use that because it's so simple it doesn't take up much space because it's just a suitcase there's not this huge kick drum and it's this swarm of cymbals um and i'm i'm mainly trying to like play like funky stuff on it so i'm you know kick hat and snare is pretty much all i need uh I totally i think that like unless you're playing like ballads you really don't need a bunch of toms (laughs) anyway so (laughs) yeah (laughs) Unless you're really going, um, you know, hardcore where you need that huge tom sound, then I, I understand. I understand yeah. you need like your stereo setup, and you need all the toms mic'd up so you can really you know, drive home that that crunchy bit. Um, but yeah, 
you know, focus on simplicity. And then, you know, if you need to, I'd say the moments when you take it to a, a studio outside of your own, those are the moments when you can, like, look up, okay, who actually, you know, who's good at recording drums? Who has a good space for drums? And then, you know, th- now that you have the idea down, mm-hmm. you can kind of take it somewhere else to, to expand it. So the advice you had was um, use one mic, figure out that one mic, figure out where it sounds good, move it around the room. If you had to give kind of a, a cherry on top to that, what microphone would you say for, like, a beginning user to to get if it was going to be their one do-it-all microphone but uh, still sound great yeah so so it doesn't maybe not have to be budget but yeah maybe on i mean kind of on I the mean, budget side but not too much this budget. is going to sound like some people are just going to sigh over this but like a an sm57 <laughs> like <laughs> is is i mean you can yeah if so the 57 is the instrument mic yes right. yeah, sure sm57 there's actually a video of like this I don't. I forget what studio it, it is, but there's a, like a master class where they have someone playing drums and they have the participants of the ma- master class like set up 57s, and their their you know their objective is to put the, just their one mic in the position that they think they can capture the whole drum sound and the room sound uh, really well. So yeah, if anyone's wants to, I, I forget what the name of it is. If you look up. I necessarily don't know what you would look up. <laughs> what, what was the um, consensus on that? Where was the placement on that for the drums? I uh, I would think overhead, in front, about through three feet um, overhead and two feet back is what I would think. Yeah, th- I guess kind of like mm-hmm. guesstimating sort of like right behind your Oh, head. right behind. Is that what you're or is that I was thinking in, four, oh, in forward, front. Oh, forward, gotcha, mm-hmm. gotcha. Yeah, I mean that's that's I assume it it's really kind of subjective because you have sure. to be in the room too. Yeah. Um, to figure out what you know, what things to avoid, you know, in addition to you know what you're trying to pick up. Um, but I know like there's a butt mic was one of them where it's the microphones maybe like three feet behind the drummer, just right at butt level. Okay. Um, there's sort of like uh, over the shoulder. You're mic, definitely getting more attack on the bass drum by going behind. I feel like than in front because you're getting the more of the mallet hitting the head than, than the air front, yeah. coming right. out. Right, but then, you know, it's like what, and it's uh, sort of the style of music too, like do you want like attack forward or like do you want the bass drum to kind of just sit heavier, you know, less. You heard it here. just hitting the pulse of First the person to ever say it, it's an SM57, that's the one mic. Go get you one, they're 100 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes 80. Don't go to Guitar Center. <laughs> Literally, you can get them <laughs> anywhere. <but laughs> get you a used one for 50 bucks. Um, you can beat them to death. Um, a bonus uh, microphone, I'd say. You could probably get it pretty cheap. Um, there's so uh, omnidirectional dynamic microphones, which you can actually mod a 57 to be. You could be take... I forget actually how to do that, so I'm not going to That's pretty people. cool. <laughs> how to try how to do it, but yeah, look up how to get make a fifty-seven. It. Don't use it yet. We're gonna take it apart. <laughs> this is how to do it. There's a way to make it omnidirectional, and omni mics are really cool on drums because you can put it right over the kick drum. You know, sort of in between. You know, your if you have the the uh, two rack toms, you know, sort of kind of centri- centralized in between the snare and the rack toms and the kick drum. And its proximity to the kick drum will actually pick up a lot of that bass and that attack because it's omnidirectional. It's picking sound up from everywhere, right? So, 
yeah, that's that's a that's another one. But there's a uh, Electro Voice. Um, there's old Sennheiser mics. There's a lot of old like dynamic microphones mm-hmm. and even like high Z microphones. Those are ones okay. where it like has an instrument cable on the end. Mm-hmm. Um, which those uh, a, l- a lot of those are omnidirectional. Um, but that could be a good cheap lo-fi um, thing. Cool. Here. Yeah, what was the question before this? <laughs> um, I, well we were just kind of talking about um being a one man recording, um, how to not 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 be overwhelmed, um, when yeah. you have so much going on. Um, for me, it was focus on uh, the sequence that works for me, which is drums, bass, then guitar, um, and that kind of helps me kind of stay in the groove without kind of losing, it. and also just like having everything i think you we both kind of touched on it was like having it ready like yeah just like having it ready to go kill the vibe Mm -hmm. then having to get it ready yeah (laughs) fully put together a drum set tune it have it ready to go like there's your hour that you were gonna spend being creative (laughs) yeah and then also i think you know not getting caught up so much in the details Um, you know you're not if you if you enter your creative space no matter what you're doing creatively and you have the thought process thought process of like this is gonna be this is gonna be it this is gonna it's gonna make me so much money it's gonna make me famous this is today's the day that's a terrible mindset to have because that's so much pressure on like your mm-hmm. creative flow state and you know even if you that's not like you you know verbatim what your thought process is y- that story still seeps in if you're you know like okay I'm working on the drum track okay that's cool okay I work on the bass track. Uh, I want this one note, but I can't get it. Uh, this, I can't get this one note. And then you put it away after that. Th- find something simple, like keep the process moving. Mm-hmm. I say keeping momentum to finish things will get you in a better um, flow, and the the consistency of that will help you can't tremendously. You can't go complex. I mean, you could, I guess, but uh, you can't go complex without learning the simples first. You can't like run without learning to walk first. So I think, um, yeah, get it, get get something very what you know standard down. You know, get get a couple snare snare hits, hi hats, something very simple down, and then move on to a, like a happy three chord progression on the on the bass or something. You know, like keep it simple, and then you can always come back and add the glitter you can always come back and add the the oomph when you've kind of like got your ropes down i think yeah and like maximizing you know what what's already down there like if you Mm. bob Bob ross you know no happy accidents or no no only happy (laughs) (laughs) no no happy accidents (laughs) (laughs) but yeah when something's there that you know i heard recently that people that are most likely to be succe- successful creatively are people that have a, a default to an open you know state they're open to new experiences mm. so if if you put something down and, and it's you know if it sort of rubs against you and it's not just like a oh i just hit the wrong note i'm gonna go back and fix that real quick if there's something that rubs against you you know be open to the experience that mm. you know you can build off of that Absolutely. Very good point. So knowing that you're taking a step back with proof of concept, um, what is it that you're focusing on now? Yeah. So 
I was, I was like last year I was really really trying to get out of the day jobs uh, and full time you know do the recording thing um, and that was really just not working for me because I I realized that I didn't have enough time to really figure out a lot of things that I needed to figure out at the time um, and I just really couldn't fathom like having a career and when you're building a business that's just gonna, that it's it's so much time and work that you're putting into it so it's very important to have you know your a lot of your your personal work sorted out you know where that's not going to get in the way of of what you're ultimately trying to do um so right and a lot of times almost always we can't just um we can't just stop getting paid so we're still right. working a full-time job we're still um trying to um you know make our family and friends happy by spending um quality time with them and then you're adding a business on top of that and that can fully tip the scale of like okay i'm doing way too much right now we've talked a little bit about um advice ha that we would give um aspiring um people in recording um and we talked a little bit about how it can be overwhelming to start a business um and now I think we, I think that we should go into like one more like true piece of advice um, that you maybe give um, someone else that's maybe like putting down the guitar or like whatever, taking a step back. Um, how to maybe like continue to be creative even when they're feeling like down, like they can't keep going. It's a great question. Um, I I think you know first and foremost it's it's okay to take space from you know very good point your your art um and you know something like even saying this like I it it rubs with me because I'm I think a lot of my own personal value I put in in art but you are not your art you mm. know there's you know just like you are not your thoughts you are not your art um. So, you know, not getting your ego caught up so much in, you know, oh, I'm not putting out anything or I'm not creating anything. You know, that can be your life purpose mm -hmm. for sure. But that's not necessarily who you are to the extent of it defines, you know, your worthiness to be, right? Right. Um, that's a very good point. So, you know, coming from that point, you, you know, I guess you know really just try to fall in love with it again, or in and maybe not maybe try is not the right word, but allow yourself to to fall in love with it, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes in love you need to take space to absolutely to find love again, right? Absolutely, um, and to respect it again, right? Absolutely. Uh, and there, because there's just so many things psychologically we can get caught up in when we're trying to make art. Especially, you know, in the, in the society where we have to, where where there's a pressure to to sell art, you know, mm -hmm. to to uh, monetize. Oh yeah, absolutely. Something that's you know very personal and vulnerable. It's it's such a weird like like meat grinding kind of business of of especially like, I mean the music industry for sure. 
Uh, I mean, trying to monetize anything can truly rip the creativity out of it, especially when you like find something that you know, and it might not even be your thing. It's just what you happen to make that one day, and people love it. And now you're stuck like making that one thing for the rest of life, or you feel stuck in that cage of like, well, I've got to keep making these like graffiti art things because like that's what people want out of me. You know, that's what's selling. So. I have to keep doing it, you know, instead of like pushing that creative envelope, you're now stuck in everyone else's group because you've decided I'm going to monetize this and that's it, you know, and that strips the creativity straight out of you. Yeah, for sure. And just, yeah, focus on or not even focus on, but like you just, just dig it. Just dig it. Just dig it. Yeah. Just enjoy it and love it. And if you don't love it, take some space from it. You can love some other things. That's okay. Like Rue. Yeah. Cut, just like hold her like a baby. <laughs> <laughs> this is the moment that you need a video broadcast. Yeah, I know. <laughs> this, this curled up little hound dog. <laughs> whimpering because she saw some cats. And because she's a little wet because it's raining outside. <laughs> I, I've really learned to um, enjoy the rain on the on the roof. Exactly. Like living in here. Like we've had a couple nights where it, was, it felt like a tsunami was coming through and you could hear like the wash <laughs> hit, hit yeah. from the front of the bus <laughs> to the back and it's just like intense. Um, yeah. I'm excited to get back on the road, but it feels really good to be here focusing on, on my music now because I think that I was so focused on driving to the other side of the country and driving us between camp spots and like whatever that um, a lot of times when I, even if I felt distracted, I was, or felt creative I was distracted or behind the wheel and my hands are busy, you know? Um, so I, I'm very grateful to be back in Asheville for a little while. And even like coming up over the mountains was such a really great experience after being on like flat land and by the beaches, it felt so good to see the mountains again. It was like, Oh, that's, that's that place I call home. Like for some reason I, I can't, I can't get past it. Like I found, a really awesome feeling here. And it might not be Asheville. It could be like the surrounding areas, you know, just the Pisgah National Forest. I think it's just a really, really beautiful area. Um, but essentially the goal for Cream Base Bus is for us to find a place that we really, truly love and a place we want to settle down and have a small, um, a small homestead. And we want to create an art residency. We want to give the opportunity for a lot of um, creative minds to maybe get that break from their everyday life, to get away from that and have less distraction and really get their art out um, and maybe have a place where they can learn to be more sustainable or learn to be better at their craft and have people available to them um, that maybe would help them get their music out and record it or teach them ceramics because that's something they've always wanted to do it but haven't had the space to do it and so um, I really want in my personal life um, my now like life's goal I think right now and it could always change um, but is to facilitate creativity for others Um, I think growing up I didn't have I wouldn't say I wasn't creative and I wouldn't say I wasn't given the right tools, but I didn't have the right mindset to get invested in music or art or anything other than just like what was happening around me. And um, so I think that being able to facilitate that hopefully one day for my kids, but also for, for other people is like a huge goal in my in my personal life. So, so art residency, cream-based art residency, cream-based everything. Um, and I'm really excited. I don't know if I have enough time to do it, 
but I would love to have a concert here um, with art vendors, food vendors, everything. Um, I'm still kind of working out the kinks, but I've already got um, Damn Fine Audio wants to donate audio equipment for the event, which is incredible. Um, I've got a few artists that are already down. Um, a venue that might be willing to um, facilitate the whole thing. So it's kind of putting itself together without me even doing anything. But I think in the next uh, coming weeks, I really have to like buckle down and get some solidification on it because it's going to be fucking awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be great. awesome. Um, but And I think that's something that I want to do every time we're in town. If I come to visit, I want people to be like, oh, shit cream based bus is coming back in town like we that means something crazy is about to happen you know (laughs) that means everybody's getting paid we're all making (laughs) 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 (sighs) yeah so this has been incredible i want to go ahead and just say again this is uh the cream based bus doing cream based sessions creative art and music based bus uh today our guest was josh vanderveen Really incredible man, working on his own albums now, working on his own stuff, which is really cool. Um, proof of concept, uh, recording. It's cool to see anyone making home studios um, as elaborate as yours. It's really inspiring, especially with me being on this in this small space. It's really cool to see how you can make some really kick-ass stuff in whatever space you're in. You know. Absolutely. Thanks. Um, is there anything else that you want to say or promote? Um, I know you talked about um, where to listen to your music on sp- was it Spotify and stuff. Yeah, so my artist name uh, until I until I totally change projects, um, which is a potential. <laughs> Always um, <laughs> uh, is uh, called Perfumery, like the place you make perfume. P U R F U M E R Y. I think I spelled that right. Cool. <laughs> um, and then you can follow um, my like artist kind of stuff whenever I happen to post on Instagram uh, at, at Perfume Recordings. Um, and then uh, Proof of Concept Recording is sort of like my studio Instagram. Cool. Very cool. We'll play us out with one more song. And uh, honestly, it was a pleasure to have you here. It's good to see Thanks, you again. Man. Yeah, what to play for the next one? Yes, these are pages uh, flipping that you hear because I can't memorize lyrics even though I was in theater. (laughs) Sweet, I didn't do anything. Okay. You're going to be a music fan. (laughs) <laughs> Good hound dog. <laughs> Thanks again for joining you guys. Stick around for more musicians, more artists, more love of the creative world. Let's get this tuned up real quick.
listen to. Sure. 